the CC Midweek. <laughs> Babe, I got so excited, I forgot my notes in my Bible. <laughs> Could you grab me a Bible? Uh, I want to welcome everyone online also. Man, we have been praying and we have been dreaming with God, and I just believe he wants to do something special. I believe that there are people who just need to know him. Have you ever just been in something and you're like, ugh, if they just knew? It's how I feel. I feel like there are seasons and times in our lives where um, it's overwhelming. And I think no one really gives us a rule book on how to do life. <laughs> no one is like, here's the playbook. Here's what you do when you are hurt. Here's what you do when you're rejected. No one gives us that playbook. And I was thinking about the most ridiculous engagement story of all times. It just so happens to be my own. Uh, you know, there's fairy tale stories out there. My sister Crystal, her husband, he went all out. He took her to Costa Rica, and it was gorgeous, and there were all the things. It was like a fairy tale. Jacob and I had an altogether different kind of engagement. Thanks, baby. Jacob Berger, everybody. <laughs> so when Jake proposed to me, we both can't remember how old we are. I think I was 19, and I had no idea he was going to be proposing to me. And he went and he got, he designed the ring. Come on. He designed the ring. He had a little heart-shaped box he put it in. And the night he proposed to me, I, I had no idea it was going to happen. And so we were going to the movies, and um, he was off. Now I can look back and be like, bro was just nervous. But then I was like, why is he so mad? Why is he so angry? Do I have any men in here who almost every emotion shows up as anger? <laughs> Jake's like, yes, yes. Okay, well, his, his demeanor, he was just nervous, but man, it was grouchy, okay? And so all throughout the movie, I'm trying to hold his hand, and it's like sweaty, and he's like, you know, shaking mine off. And after the movie, I'm like, okay, we are going to get this back on track, and I'm like, I'm going to be fun and cute, and I'm going to jump on his back, and he's going to give me a piggyback, and we are going to ride into the sunset, well, I jumped on his back, and Jake thought I felt the ring. He thought I felt the box, so he kind of shook me off. Okay, so now grouchy Jacob has now shaken me off, okay? I don't know about you ladies, but Mama was not happy, okay? And when I get unhappy, I get armored up. It's like, and I go into defense mode. So I am like, fine. And I literally had one thought. I'm breaking up with him. <laughs> so we get in the car, and I say something, like, super helpful, like, it's over. <laughs> and he doesn't say a word. And I'm, like, fuming. I'm so angry. And everything was getting off course for my poor husband who wanted to propose. But now was second-guessing everything because of how lovely and delightful I was to be around. So he starts questioning everything and is like, God, are you sure she is the one? 
Have you ever been in those moments where you honestly wanted one thing? Can I tell you, I wanted to marry this man. I loved him. I wanted to marry him. But I let the moment, I let that anger, I let that defense mechanism take over. And instead of saying what I really wanted, was, which was, I love you and I just want you to love me, I said, it's over. Sometimes our emotions, when we let them lead, thanks. When we let them lead, I heard a woman once, I'm going to be off course, but I heard a woman once, her notebook died right when she got up to preach, and she was like, I came to fight. We don't even need notes, and that's how I feel today. We don't even need notes, okay? When we let our feelings lead us, when we let those emotions take charge, sometimes what happens is we get off course and we start going down a way we never really truly wanted it to be. And when we get in this off course area, what happens is our emotions now control us. And I believe with all my heart, God wants something different for us. I believe when we feel rejected, when we feel hurt, when we feel lonely, when something has broken our heart or the rug has been pulled out from underneath us, I believe that there is something that God wants for us, and we're calling it emotional grit. And emotional grit says, I play hurt. My daughter, Taylor, she was in soccer, and she had this collision, and she broke her finger, and she like ran up to me and she's like, mom, I broke my finger. And then just like kept playing. And I was like, that is a tough chickadee. Like she's tough. But what do we do when our heart is hurt? What do we do when it's not a bone, but it's our insides? How do we show up in life and how do we actually play hurt? Because too often we don't play in the right kind of way. Too often, we get so discouraged, and we all have like a defense mechanism. Some of us maybe shut down, crawl into bed, and say, I'm not going to get out. I feel like I'm going to stay here for a couple days. Some of us play a little bit of a victim mode where it's always something, and someone is always against us. Sometimes we play the numb card, and we're going to numb the pain, and we're going to drink or we're going to smoke or we're going to do whatever drug to try to numb the pain because the feelings are just too much. But an emotional grit is a way of feeling. Emotional grit is a way of showing up in life and saying, I do hurt, but hurt is not going to get the final say. It says, I am disappointed, but disappointment is not going to get the final say. It says, I am feeling lonely, but loneliness doesn't get the final say because I play even when it hurts. Joseph is in the Bible, and he is this um, perfect example of emotional grit. He is 17 years old, and he is his father's favorite. And I totally understand how that feels. It's like a real burden you just have to carry. You know, just got to suck it up and carry it when you're your dad's favorite. He's watching online. 
He was his dad's favorite, and his dad didn't hide it, okay? His dad made him this coat, and it had many colors, and it was very bougie, okay? He wore the bougie, colorful coat, and he wore it proudly. Now, Joseph's family is, it's a mixed family. There's four moms in this equation. He's got ten half-brothers, one full brother, and the jealousy is thick. The jealousy is real. And Joseph doesn't really play it cool either because Joseph has these dreams. Don't you love when someone's like, I had a dream, and you're like, oh, please tell me all about it. (laughs) Okay, he had a dream, and in his dreams, they were basically, his family was bowing down to him. Okay, so he has this dream of his family's bowing down to him, and now he tells his family. He goes and tells the brothers who already don't like him. And his brothers hate him even more. And one day, his brothers, they were shepherds, and they were out in the field, and his dad asked Joseph to go check on them. And Joseph goes, and he looks for them. And at the same time, Joseph is going to look for his brothers. His brothers... Are plotting to kill him. Joseph shows up, and his brothers grab him. They take the coat, and they throw him in a pit. And the pit, there's no water in it. I kind of imagine it as like an empty well. And there's a part in the Bible that says, the brothers saw the distress in Joseph's soul. Joseph was pleading for his life, and his brothers went and had lunch, and they started eating. And I can't help but to think those brothers let their emotion lead. Those brothers let that ugliness fester and grow into something really stinking ugly. And when they let it grow into something this ugly— going to hurt more than just Joseph. They're sitting and they're eating lunch and off in the distance they, they see this caravan. And this caravan is a, it's like a merchant. They, they sell all kinds of stuff and basically you can sell things to them and they were on their way to Egypt. And one of the brothers is like, you know, he is our brother after all. Should we really kill him? What if we just sell him? as if that's a better option, right? And they agree, and they sell Joseph. I don't know who of you might feel like you are in the pit. (laughs) I don't know what moments come where you feel like there is a distress in your soul that you are looking for something more than you can find. I don't know who in this room feels like you've been in that pit and you don't even know how to begin to crawl out. But there was something in Joseph, there was something where he had this this grit, where he figured things out. I was preparing for this sermon and I was like, I don't ever want to pretend like this is easy. I don't ever want to pretend like I haven't been hurt so bad, I couldn't even legit get out of bed. There are, there are real emotions. There are real things that can hurt, that can keep us down. And 
It's not just this magic thing. It is, it's like a, it's a crawling. It's this moving. And what is so cool about Joseph is he trusted in God in the kind of way where when life hurt, he leaned into God. He found a way to fall back into the goodness of God. And that is such a key thing when we are trying to pursue a healthy life. That is such an important thing because so many times we do think we can do it on our own or we can figure it out. But when we are truly hurt, there is an idea of falling back on the goodness of God. Joseph gets to Egypt, and he is in Egypt, and he is sold to Potiphar. And Potiphar was like the, the, um, the military guard. And Joseph is sold to Potiphar, and something really special happens because Potiphar sees something of God in Joseph. Joseph is reflecting something. And I thought about, man, when I am hurt, what am I, like, what is my response? What is my gut response? Just think for a second. Like, what is your gut response when you are truly hurt? Because Joseph's gut response was to figure out how to keep going. To figure out that it was so much more. And that if he could fall back in the goodness of God, then maybe he could reflect something of who God was through his life. And can I tell you, when you are in pain and you choose this, this is a choice. This is not something that's going to happen by accident. This is a choice that you say, I'm going to choose to reflect something of the goodness of God in my pain. Because you know you can be hurt and at the very same time reflect the goodness of God. You can feel broken and at the very same time reflect the love of God. You can feel these things, but at the same time, still let something of who God is be reflected out into the world. And that's what Joseph did, and he served faithfully, and Potiphar saw something of God in him, and he showed him favor, and he made him head of the household. And Joseph served, man, he served faithfully. But this is where the Bible gets a little... I don't know, like you read these stories and you're like, it has to be real because if it wasn't real and you're really trying to prove that God is good, you wouldn't put these stories in it, okay? The Bible tells us that Joseph was good looking. He was good looking in appearance and form, okay? He had the full package, ladies. Looking like Jacob Berger up in here, okay? <laughs> and Potiphar's wife took notice. And she liked the way he looked. She liked the way he acted. And every time Joseph was around, she made sure to tell him. Every time Joseph was around, she made sure that he knew she wanted him. And the Bible says that she would pursue him, and she would pursue him, and she would pursue him, and he was a good man. And he, he would hide from her. He would ignore her. He would try not to be around her. But one day... He was in the house, and she came in, and no one else was around. And when no one else was around, she grabbed him by the whatever the attire was. 
and he wiggled out of it and ran. Can I be very honest with you for a minute? Sometimes there are temptations in our life that the only real way of escaping them is to freaking run, okay? Is to flee and get rid of it and run. Sometimes we have to walk away. Can I get an amen? Okay. Joseph ran. And Potiphar's wife lied. She made a big stink. And she told everybody that Joseph tried to take advantage of her. Potiphar found out, got mad, threw Joseph in jail. And there's this part in the scripture where Joseph says that he, was, he called jail the pit. And it stuck out to me because I thought to myself, there's been so many times in my life where I've thought, this again? I'm back here again? I have to feel this way again? He was doing everything God called him to do. He walked away from the hot babe, okay? And he still ended up in prison. And part of me feels like, would I feel like, what's the point? Would I feel like maybe I should have just slept with her? Would I feel like, why am I trying to be this good person when this keeps happening and here I am again? Here I am again in the pit. If you are there, (laughs) if you feel like you keep fighting the same thing and you're in it again, please, if you hear nothing else, just hear this. There's this powerful scripture, and the author of Genesis wants us to know it. He wants us to hear it, and he wants us to read it. Sorry, this is not it. (laughs) I'm really bad at notes. I just, I'm like, I've got two scriptures. I'll tell, okay. He said, the author said, the steadfast love of the Lord and the favor of God was with Joseph. Do you believe that your circumstances could be crap, but God can still be good? Do you believe that you can feel forgotten, but God can still favor you? Because that's what Joseph was experiencing. He was experiencing not his circumstances looking like it's all that. He was experiencing the presence of God in a comforting way. He was experiencing something of the goodness of God that comforted him, that strengthened him. This is a true story. He was betrayed time and time again, and now he's here again. But the steadfast love of the Lord never left him. Never left him. The favor of God was with him. So wherever you are, however you're feeling, I want you to know that there is a God in heaven who loves you. There is a God who is steadfast in his love. It never ceases. It never ends. I can walk away from God, but he does not walk away from me. And Joseph is in the pit, and the favor of God is with him. And the jailer likes him, and he says, you know what? Why don't you just help me run the show? And once again, the jailer, Joseph, is now kind of second in command. And there's a guy there. There's actually two. They have these dreams. And they dream different things, and they don't know what it means, but Joseph says, it's really for God to interpret. Tell me the dreams. All throughout Joseph's life, you're going to see him give God the glory, never the blame. 
Can I just make a side note really quick? It's easy to blame God. It's easy to say, why didn't you show up? It's easy to say, why did this end up the way it ended up? It's not so easy to always give him the glory. But an emotional, gritty person says, I play hurt. And instead of saying, why did you do this? Why weren't you here? Why did this happen? Instead of it, I'm going to say, this did happen. This does hurt me. But God, I know you are steadfast. God, I know you are at work, and I'm trusting you for something better. I'm trusting you that you are at work, and you are on the move in my life in ways that I can't see and I don't know, but I'm trusting you. And instead of the blame, we give God some of the glory. You know, gritty faith, gritty emotional grit, it says I'm going to choose optimism because optimism is a choice. It says I'm going to choose every single time faith that I'm optimistic that what is good and best is just around the corner. It gives us a hope to keep going. And every single time I do this, it doesn't always be right around the corner. There's been times in my life where it was a decade. And I was like, I'm ready for it. Let's go. But I'm trusting. I'm choosing to trust. I'm choosing to trust. I'm not giving up. I'm going to persevere when it's hard. I'm going to show grit. And I'm going to show up. And I'm going to reflect something of the goodness of God in my pain. I'm going to show up and I'm going to trust that there is a God in heaven who loves me. And even though I can't see it, even though I can't feel it, I am going to trust in him that something good is going to come out of it. I'm going to trust in him that he is shaping me into the woman he wants me to be through it. And for whatever reason, there's no other way I could get there. I think about my life, and I was a mom at 16, and Jacob and I had a lot to work out, and we were young, and we were married, and then we had two more kids. And I just, like, I was thinking about this morning, and I, I just was in tears because I was thinking. I never thought it was possible. I never thought I would lead anything. I never thought I would stand and teach anybody because my heart was broken. But I encountered a God who was for me. I met a God who loved me. I didn't, I didn't know at the time, but this church, you just put your arms around me, and you were gritty with me, and we did life together. And now, today, we're starting a new service, and I'm leading it. And I'm like, what? When I trust and I have faith and I choose optimism, it's a choice. It's easy to not believe. Amen? Anyone cannot believe. But what is the point? The point is that there is a God. And I have nothing to lose. Let's say there's not a God and I trusted him. What do I have to lose? I'm still going to be a better person. Okay? There is nothing to lose to just say, I'll try. There's nothing to lose. Joseph is sitting in jail. These guys have dreams. He gives God the glory and he says, let me, let's hear the dreams. One was bad news. The other dream, <laughs> the guy, I got to be quick here so you can read the story for yourself, but 
the other guy was the cupbearer to the king. And he had this dream, and basically Joseph said, dude, you're going to get out, and in three days you're going to be back with the king, the pharaoh. When you get out, can you please, please tell the pharaoh about me, that I don't want to be in here, I don't deserve to be in here. Cupbearer's like, I got you, bro, I got you, I got you. Cupbearer gets out, forgets all about Joseph. And it's two years later. Joseph was 17 when he was taken. Joseph's now 30 years old. At 30 years old, Joseph's sitting in jail. And at the same time, the Pharaoh has a dream. And the Pharaoh dreams something that no one can figure out. And the cupbearer's around as the Pharaoh's talking about it. And he says, I know a guy. It like dawned on him. And they go get Joseph out of jail clean him up, shave him up, bring him back. Joseph comes to the Pharaoh and gives God the glory again and says, God's going to interpret this. He tells him the dream. And the dream is basically God letting Pharaoh know what's going to happen. There's going to be seven years of abundance. Grain's going to be good. Food's going to be good. Jobs are going to be good. (laughs) That's like from a show. I don't remember what show. And then there's going to be seven years of deep famine, seven years of nothing. And Joseph said, you need to find someone to help you get this seven years of abundance covered so when it's seven years of bad, there's food for your people. And Pharaoh sees something of God in him. Joseph, again, is reflecting something of God. The Pharaoh sees it, and he's like, bro, you're my man. And it's seven years, so now Joseph's 37. It's been awesome. It's been great. And now they're in, the, they're in the time of famine. And it's been years. And the famine is so bad that nobody has food. The famine is so bad that 300 miles away where Joseph was taken from, his dad and brothers ran out of food. At the same time, Joseph was working to save other people. His brothers needed him and didn't even know it. Joseph's dad says to the, the rest of the boys, I want you to go back or go to Egypt and go get food. Go buy some food for us. And they were going to go to their brother, but they had no idea where Joseph was. They had no idea that he was now in charge. They had no idea. And they show up. And there's like this, Joseph plays with them for a little bit. I'm not going to talk about all that, but he plays with them for a little bit. He's human, okay? Joseph plays a little bit. He has a little bit of maybe a touch of revenge. (laughs) He's human. But ultimately, Joseph reunites with his brothers. He brings his dad and all their families back to this land so that they can be closer, and there's this reunion. And all of it, At the very end, the brothers are, like, nervous that Joseph is going to get some retaliation. And Joseph talks to them, and this is is the verse. And in Genesis 50, Joseph says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish now what is being done, the saving of many lives. You know, at the same time, Joseph was being sold. His dad was grieving. But God was at work 
The same time, Joseph landed in Potiphar's house, and his life got turned upside down, and his wife lied about him, and he went into jail. God was still at work. When he interpreted the dreams at the very same time, God was on the move working in the life of Joseph. At the same time I've been preaching, babies have been born, and someone's holding their first baby like I get to hold my first grandbaby for my beautiful Lexi. At the same time we've been preaching, someone has had to say goodbye to someone for the very last time. All throughout life, it's easy to look through our lens of what's happening to me. But sometimes God is doing something for some bigger purpose. Sometimes God is shaping me into the woman I need to be, you into the women and men you need to be, because there is a bigger purpose at play. And he used the life of Joseph to do just that. All the pain, it was shaping him and becoming something emotionally gritty so that he could lead in a time that everybody needed him. It was shaping him to become something so much better. And in Romans 8, 28, it says, In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In all things. Jacob and I were sitting in his baby blue celebrity bucket seats. I was mad. I was ignoring him. I was done. But inside my head was a little whisper, just hold his hand. And I was like, no. I'm not holding his hand. The whisper. Just hold his hand. No, I'm not holding his hand now. I'm not holding his hand ever, okay? This is what's going on in my mind. I swear to you, it sounds weird, but this was legit. And I was like, hey, how about he holds my hand? Amen? Okay. (laughs) Don't agree with me. It's so mean. (laughs) How about he holds my hand? And I'm pouting. And then I heard it again. Just hold his hand. And right before we turned into my driveway, I squeezed his hand. My driveway was kind of long back then, and we got to the top of it, and he turned off the car, and he looked at me with, like, tears in his eyes. He's like, Sarah, I was praying the whole ride home that if God was in this, that if God really wanted us to do life together, that you would squeeze my hand. And I burst into tears. And we didn't have a fairy tale engagement, but we had a God moment. And we have a God moment that I go back to time and time and time again. And church, life is not a fairy tale, is it? There are real things that happen. There is real heartache that happens. And I don't want the fairy tale. I want a God moment. I want to trust God in the kind of way where I don't question anymore. I've had enough experience with him that I know he's real. I know he's true. I know he's faithful. I know he's good. And I want it for you. I want you to trust in him in the kind of way where you lean in towards him in the hurt and in the pain. 
I want you to say, I don't know if it's real. I don't know, but why not? I'm just going to try. I want you to say that I want something of the goodness of God to be reflected in my life because he is steadfast and he is good. I just believe so profoundly in this because it's just been my whole heartbeat. It's been my whole life. And I just believe that when we have an emotional grit that says, I play hurt because in all things, in all ways, God is working for me. In all ways, God has his hand in history, and he's been moving, and he's been pushing, and he's been getting us ready and shaped to be the people that he's called us and wants us to be. And I want to be his girl. I want you to be his guys and women and girls, and I'm so excited about this service. I'm so excited to see what God might do. What God might do when a generation says, yes, I'm going to follow him. What God might go do through the lives of our young people when you just say, I'm all in for him. I'm excited to see what God has planned and however he wants to use this, I am in. Amen? Let's pray. Dearly Father, I love you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that in all things, at all times, you are working for our good. I pray, Father, when I want to blame or I want to push it away and not really think about it, I pray I give you the glory. I pray that we have the courage just to say, I'm giving you a shot. I'm giving you a chance because you are good. You are steadfast. I pray for anyone who feels that way tonight, Father, that you will meet them. The moment won't pass. The night won't pass. That you will meet them in their heart and they can just feel you, maybe for the first time ever, if it's online or it's in this room. And I pray that your goodness will just permeate their heart, permeate their vision, and help us, help us to be the men and women you've called us to be. In your son's mighty name we pray.